Welcome back to Church is Stupid. Come a butt. I'm Ruth. I'm Andy. I'm Elijah. And today we have a very special guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself, Gabe? Oh, yeah. I am Gabe. I'm in the currently the church's intern this summer. I go to Bethel University in Mishawaka, Indiana. Uh, first time ever podcasting, so... Why are you laughing we'll at me? We'll see what happens, yeah. No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the way that we introduce guests. Because we always say, and joining us today is our special guest, and then we say their name. And Would you so like, like to introduce <laughs> yourself, Gabe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm Gabe. <laughs> it's like you can predict the next couple of words that are coming Hey, it could be a lot lot weirder. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> it, you could just blow me off and then just, just, just like random. 20 minutes into the episode. Oh, and start, by the way, yeah. Gabe. We, we forgot the voice you've never heard before is actually <laughs> This voice. apparition that you've never heard before, the voice by of the way. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy, you're, you're getting replaced. I have competition. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Andy plays God in every uh, Kids Minute skit that we've ever done. So I mean, you got the hair. I do. Yeah, I got the lush, beautiful hair, the full-on beard of the moment, and well, you see, we get no. Oh, <laughs> 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 moving on, moving on. Yeah, yeah. Cut, cut, cut. Yeah. All right, we're gonna just reset. <laughs> you can tell that Andy struggles with insecurity real, real bad. There. I struggle with being God sometimes. It's an imposing role. Do you that think? Do you I think don't God think. accidentally had a voice crack when he was talking to Moses? <laughs> Do you think restart, that happened? Restart. Restart. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it Morgan that's Freeman? It, that's <laughs> um, so anyhow, Morgan today <laughs> we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the, how the church responds to brokenness or things outside of what what would be the perceived church normal right so someone comes into church and their background is just a little bit different than what people are used to and and how they respond and we've touched on this topic in a couple of different ways um well if you want to go back and listen to we have an episode on trauma we also have an episode last week's episode was on hard conversations Mm. and so now we're going to have a hard conversation i say with sunshine in my voice and so, yeah, that's where we're coming from today. Awesome. Sunshine in my voice is a perfectly fine expression, Andy. I know, but like the implications of that expression is like that you're opening your mouth and sunshine is coming. You called yourself God. I can have sunshine voice. You know what? Fair enough. So I think this is something that's a little bit harder for um, for me to identify with because I was kind of the the stereotypical what you would expect, right? Like, my parents were Christians their whole lives, pretty much. I was raised Christian my whole life, and then I was in church. And pastor kid. Like and I was whole, a pastor's kid, level, so there yeah. was a whole other, like... I, I think it's funny, the sti- sorry, that the stigma that's kind of been broken this generation, though, mm-hmm. of pastor's kids who are not becoming pastors. Like, my mother is a pastor's kid, and she's becoming a pastor. And I'm not saying like it's 100 percent the case, but he there says are to the pastor kid pastor. I know. I'm sorry, <laughs> but of all the PKs that I know, minus none of one. Other <laughs> in my generation, oldie. Um, there we go. <laughs> um, nobody's becoming a pastor. Like it's literally three years difference. Okay, <laughs> three years is a long time. Um, but. Like, I'm just like, I'm thinking through all of my like friends throughout the years who are PKs. Um, and I don't, 
I think the closest person to becoming a pastor is my brother, and he just became a theologian, which is mm-hmm. like a different conversation entirely. Um, but it's like not the normal case anymore. Yeah. Sorry, that's Regardless, just a side rant. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't relate to that. So no, you're good. Yeah. This is this is a conversation where half of the half of the speakers can talk about, and the other half is like, sure, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it sounds about right. Yeah, I bet you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's, um, yeah, it's something that's, that I don't think I'm always aware of though. Like sometimes I, I get uncomfortable in these conversations with people with different backgrounds because it's something that's just, I'm not used to. Right. Right. So I don't know how to respond. It's like, uh, it's sort of like, um, for me, what happens, I, I have a chronically sprained ankle and every time I tell somebody that they're like, oh my gosh, does it hurt? Like, yeah. They're like, oh, well, I hope you get better. And I'm like, it's. It's chronic. <laughs> what do you... But like, I live with it. <laughs> but like, what do you say, right? You can't... The normal thing is like to try to fix or to try to make it better or mm. or in some way like, oh, I, I hope it, it you feel better soon. But when you can't, when there's no fix or no feel better soon, people get really uncomfortable and they just walk away, right? They're just mm. like, oh, because we don't really know how to deal with that kind of stuff, right? We don't know, know how to deal with hurts that aren't easily fixed. Is that a fair statement? I absolutely I think so. I mean I every everything, you know, like depends on, you know, circumstances and stuff, but I, I think it's I think especially uh in some of the churches that I've seen that I've experienced, um a lot of people think that they know how to handle um like difficult conversations like that and and, and how to like I, I guess cons- console people who come to them like with a, with a life story or, or a really, really hard situation that they might be dealing with. Um, and I think a lot of people who, you know, who, who offer themselves or, or who, who say, you know, who put themselves in a position to like try to help people have like great intentions and, and really do want to help. Uh, but all too often, I think that we don't really know what to say if we don't have any experiences like that ourselves, because they're, I don't know. I, there's a lot of different types of ex- like life experience that uh, people in the church. I don't know. There's a lot of varying life experiences is what, is what I'm trying to say. And sometimes it really can be difficult when you have never experienced something uh, as intense maybe or, or as, as heartbreaking as someone coming to you like may, may have gone through or maybe is going through. It can be tough to relate and it can be tough to like – actually have a converse have that conversation and like continue it and 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 um you know I, the way you said it i think works better it applies much better sometimes i think a lot of people in the church just want to try to uh and and, and be, with good intentions like i said you know they want to try to like fix everyone and fix fix everything that someone's going through but sometimes it can be really tough to just like relate with someone if you haven't gone through something like that yourself and i think that there's probably a lot of people maybe listening to who have had experiences like that before, mm-hmm. you know? I, uh, I also think back on, um, one thing that the church, at least in the West here has been really, I, I can't remember where exactly I saw the quote, but it was, they were talking about mission relief or like, you know, hurricane relief and things like that. Right. They said, churches are excellent at immediate help, right? Mm. When a crisis happens, 
they will step up to it they will they will do the work but they're really really bad at long-term care mm, kind of like the flood flood relief here in yeah which midland is, yeah Ooh, one okay. one aspect yeah. that I think that at least from the perce- perception for somebody who came from the outside, it seems like this is one of the better long term things that I've seen. I've seen people continuing yeah. to 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 do things, and and so I've been really it's really cool to w- witness that. But like, <coughs> especially when I went down to uh, Slidell, Louisiana, to help after Hurricane Katrina, it was probably like five or six years later, and we were still doing work. Mm-hmm. And people forget that that's, you know, and I think we do the same thing, but on a, a, on a personal level where it's like that work that we need to put in, we're really, really good at the, the broken arms. Okay. You break your arm and you need help with stuff around the house. The church will be like, yeah, let me get in there. But then that chronic stuff, we're really, we don't understand it as much. It's almost like somehow it gets, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the best way to word it, but. I think that that's caused a lot of people unintentionally to, to feel like they don't have a place in the church, hmm. right? Yeah. And why it's so important to have people share their stories of, of, of how this perception of normal, because I believe it really is a perception. I don't think that most people live up to that perception of normal who are inside of our churches. What are we, what are we even really referring to when we talk about this perception of normal? I'm having a tough time kind of following what that really even means. Well, what does your perception of what a normal churchgoer would look like? I don't really know if I have a perception of a normal, like an yeah. idea of what a normal churchgoer is. I mean, I, maybe that's just because I haven't actually attended a church service in over a year and a half, it feels like now. <laughs> but but uh, What about you I don't guys? know. I, I, don't, I, I guess I don't know if it's just something that I ever really like think about. Yeah. Uh, because maybe this is just because of where I've come from, or maybe, I don't know, regardless of the reason, uh, the church that I went to that was really, really focused on on youth growing up, um, I met a lot of people who had, you know, whose family was Christian, who had grown up in the church, and, you know, they, they, they grew up in that environment, they followed sort of in the, you know, that idea of growing up Christian, like they followed in the footsteps of that. They became, you know, part of the leadership of like the youth program or on the, the worship team. Uh, but I also met tons and tons of, pe- of, of people, youth who were coming in, some who were really involved with the church and some who were just sort of attending who really came from like very, very broken families mm-hmm. and, and uh, were, coming, were coming to church from times or in the middle of times of extreme extreme hardship and that wasn't really considered abnormal to me because I was around a lot of that experience and I think that's probably because my idea of like going to church wasn't even as much of the traditional Sunday service but it was more of the youth program like that was more of what I considered my -hmm. church um because I was just around those experiences like a lot more but I don't know maybe because of that I don't I guess when I think of normal like I don't really even know what to think of it because i've been around like if we're talking about things that people have gone through like in plain terms i've I've been around like both experiences a lot mm-hmm. been around people who have like like i said come from extreme hardship as well as people who have just who have grown up in the church basically their whole lives you know i've been around both what about you guys Do you guys have any like what what would you perceived 
churchgoer. Because I definitely have a very distinct image that comes to mind when I think of it. See, I, I, I do too. But my idea also changes based on the church that I'm at or the community that I'm in. Okay. It's <clears throat> kind of like, you know, like that bag of cookie cutters that you have that you like pull out around Christmas. Each one is like its own identical shape. Mm-hmm. Some of them could be like really close to each other, but like have slight differences or that kind of a thing. But I think like, like this church specifically that we're in, we have a cookie cutter. Like we have a few outliers, but there's. I I think I think I I, I can yeah. I, I could define like our normal churchgoer. Sure. Like really easily here that makes sense the thing yep. is i don't think it properly reflects our community at all mm. that's fair um yeah. <clears throat> because I, I guess i've just probably become more aware of it like recently but midland although yes we do have a reflection of like very 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 rich neighborhood like all that kind of a thing um i've found that if you travel a, a mile south of where my house is like the community changes drastically. Mm. Um, yeah. Like I live around the golf course. And so we have a lot of rich white, like that kind of a thing, like right there around that golf course. Sure. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you do just travel that mile South, their houses are in shambles. There is uh, like houses that I, honestly, I think of as normal pastor parsonages, um, but they, they like, they suck. Like, no offense, like, the people living there, like, completely. It's like, a different standard of, like, of living, right, yeah, compared it, to right it, where you are. It completely changes. Yeah. But that's not reflective in this church. Mm-hmm. Mm. There is a large community of um, people living in, uh, like, a, essentially a trailer park north of Midland. That okay. isn't reflective in this church at all. Mm. And, like... You have those different things. And so this church built by Dow has had this influence of money. And so we have those rich white people. You have white people who, like, have more power and influence. Um, And I'm going to kind of say that our youth are kind of cookie cutter, too. Um, And I haven't spent full time with youth, so, like, feel free to connect. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've only been here a couple weeks, and I've only attended two youth group nights. Mm -hmm. So, But, like, with your tattoo... Yeah. Like this whole idea of brokenness or like a home that's not complete with two parents or that kind of a thing. It's something that it's like we haven't seen you in the church and like like not to say like yeah. you in particular, but like we haven't seen like people of that nature in the church in a while or that kind of thing. And again, I haven't met all of our youth. I haven't spent time. I haven't heard their testimonies. Um, Just to clear up, my tattoo is uh, it's it's Greek. It's the word hupomane which means endurance or patient enduring. So I've, I kind of got that as like my 23rd birthday present. So that's kind of, kind of a reminder for me to, you know, keep going mm-hmm. and to keep pressing yeah. on. So just a little context for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and Gabe, what, what has your experience been with, with um, the average churchgoer or things like that? Cause I know that your, your story, if you do want to share a little yeah. bit of your background, um, which is totally up to you. Uh, yeah, I think this would be a great time. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm the, I'm the middle child. I have an older brother and younger sister. Yeah, middle <laughs> child, middle child power. Yep. Um, I don't not know your if that not, counts as power. <laughs> no, not your typical middle child. 
I'm very quiet to myself, but uh, hmm. so I was raised by single mom, and so my mom had three kids by the time she was 21. So we're all close in age, mm-hmm. and I come from a fatherless background. My dad lived in the Flint Schwartz Creek area okay. most of my life, but then unexpectedly passed away when I was eight years old. Mm, uh, wow! Do a drug overdose on OxyContin, mm. and there's there's certain theories. I mean, I've talked with some of my dad's family about it could have been a suicide or it was an accidental drug overdose. Mm. So yeah. I don't, I don't really know. So, mm-hmm. so growing up with a dad was kind of rough for me because we're not only that single parent households, the income is cut in half, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually got some stats just for low, for the type of people out there who are, who are in that and stats make sense to them. Uh, let me look here. So yeah, 27% of solo, this would kind of be like single mothers mm-hmm. live below the poverty line. And mm-hmm. I can definitely, I don't know if we were ever that poor, but we definitely weren't rich. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, we lived in most of the, some rundown places in Bay City and I lived in Saginaw for a couple of years. Yeah. And actually living in Midland, this is like the, one of the nicer houses I've ever had. So it's, it was kind of, it's kind of been weird, but you know, I know my older brother and I, we would see these kids at our schools, you know, they have, a, they have one, they have a mom, a dad and two siblings. And we'd be like, wait, well, where's that? Hmm. Okay. And so for me, we always craved that male or that male father figure. Mm-hmm. And I was blessed with having my former youth pastor kind of step in. That was actually his first year he was hired and he's the one that wow. broke the news to my brother and I that our dad had passed away oh, when wow. we got out of school. Wow. wow. So, and there's always been, I've always noticed come some sort of a, a stigma with single mom households. Okay. I have yeah. been in churches um, where I go to school at Indiana that offer programs for assistance for single mothers, mm-hmm. okay. which I love seeing. I mean, it's not just single moms. Single dads need help too. If grandparents are raising the kids due to circumstances yeah. that don't have the both parents in the picture they need help too i mean we all need to come together and help each other but mm-hmm. before i attended a church in indiana i'd never really have saw any much assistance for that kind of stuff so that was really sure. nice to yeah. see because i knew the struggle of it growing up and seeing my mom work you know 60 hours a week yeah. breaking her back mm-hmm. for to keep a roof over our heads and food on the table for us so i mean yeah and then, like, just kind of kind of having, like, come from a broken home, it always presents behavioral issues because there's not enough accountability. Mm. I mean, I thank God that my, my mom's mom, my grandma, was always there to watch us after school. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I became a Detroit Tigers fan was watching <laughs> games with her when she'd babysit us. Yeah. So Yikes. way to go, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll. What's wrong with the Tigers? They're not good. <laughs> not okay. Listen, when I was in high school, they were great. They're so. not good now. No, no. They were but great if you, in 2011. But if you want, if you know their prospects, mm. we got some hopefully going on. Anyways, that's a different. That's different. Sorry. Maybe I could talk forever. A different podcast. I could talk forever about that. Church is stupid. Comma Sports baseball. edition. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I was blessed with not, I never really had the need or want to act out. Even though I could have, I could have definitely gotten into some 
drug and gang activity based on areas I lived and grew up in kind sure. of shadier yeah. places. But I was also blessed with coming from a small church in Bay City where we knew everybody and people came together and supported us. So I was blessed with not having that stigma around. That's awesome. But yeah. you also did kind of feel, at least I did, kind of like inherent pressure or, I don't know, like a paranoia with because I didn't have the money that other kids could do. And so, like, I never asked for anything. I never asked to be involved because I didn't want my mom shelling out money yeah. when she could use that for other things. Like, uh, I didn't really go on. Like, because we do trips mm-hmm. to Michigan Adventures. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to burden her with that. Even though, you know, $35 may not seem like a lot, but you never know mm-hmm. where yeah. that could go. So, I mean, that was kind of like, in my mind at least, kind of like a paranoia with with money issues and everything like a constant reality right yeah and i and and stuff has come out of that and i have talked to my mom about this and i love her to death but there's there's a lot of things in my childhood that have impacted me due to that instability yeah and she shouldn't she shouldn't be upset with that or anything she did the best she could with what was given or in how she worked Mm -hmm. but there's things obviously as you grow older and you you want to learn more about yourself and what makes you tick. And I found out that a lot of instability in my childhood has made me tick in certain ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was actually talking some about this with, with Ruth earlier while we got <laughs> McDonald's and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know not, it's, like Andrew said, it's always the, the areas depending on how you see where, like where people in the church fit and if they're connected. Mm-hmm. But it can be a struggle at times because people don't want to be a burden to each other. And when we're called to carry each other's burdens mm-hmm. and to not walk alone. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so. and even looking at that, that first example of that community back in, um, in Acts that came together. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we look at how it says that they shared all of their resources, but they shared all of their burdens as well, I think. They shared their life together. And uh, sometimes we forget that that's especially hearing you know things resources for for single mothers or for for people who are struggling um resources are great and we need resources but we also need relationships as well Mm. and sometimes that's like one of um back in gosh a while back when my dad was serving a church um in Algonac, michigan they hosted a thanksgiving dinner Right. It's kind of a common thing, I think, mm-hmm. that churches yep. do. Yeah. Um, and I remember they asked me to just go talk with people. And I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15. So, of course, I'm I'm an introvert. And so I'm like, OK, great. But you know what? People appreciated that so much. And I got to hear a little bit about pe- like other people's stories. I think sometimes especially because we don't we don't talk about it but because we don't share those stories we're almost it's it's too easy to other people to be like oh those people aren't in our church or something like that when when i think that there are people in our church who struggle with a lot of things that we don't know about mm-hmm. because they feel like they can't talk about it and i'm so glad that you had a youth pastor that that could step up and and talk with you about that yeah um, he was um <laughs> anger management counselor, anxiety counselor. And for, for as a child, I mean, and being raised by a single mom, a single mom can only do so much mm-hmm. for with, especially with two sons. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. you know what? Things get awkward. We don't have to talk all about specifics of that. <laughs> it can. And I, I can share some funny stories with certain <laughs> things like that. Uh, but 
just the fact that this guy wanted to spend time with me and I didn't have to do anything to earn it mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. like, I mean, I'm tearing up as I'm thinking about it because mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. What a, he just wanted to, he just yeah. wanted to spend time with me. And, and that's why I wanted to get in youth, youth ministry because that's what I noticed when I was working with Bethel University in 2019 where I was a counselor and I saw some of these kids coming from fatherless backgrounds or foster homes and they just wanted people to spend time with them and they mm-hmm. didn't, and they didn't want to feel like they had to give something up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for a kid, time, time equals love. And that can be yeah. said for almost anybody, but especially when they're going through that crucial development phase early on in their life and they're learning their social skills and whatnot, it's incredibly crucial. And I thank God for Pastor Brian every day that he was able to bless me through that. I mean, all the time we spent cooking out of his house or yeah. eating at Taco Bell after school, just, just hanging out, Taco just, Bell? just doing guy stuff. And that's what I crave the most as a kid. And that's what I want to do as I move forward in my life and to get into youth ministry too. Amen. Yeah. Well, that's such an, I mean, what I think Elijah was about to say this, but what an example of Christ's love, you know, I mean, exactly. That's, that is exactly what we're called to do as Christians is yeah. we're not supposed to make people beg or, or, or mm. anything for it, but it's just being there, being present. And, and I think for, especially one, one thing I've noticed in churches that very well-intentioned want to get involved in these ministries don't understand that lashing out is a natural part of that process and struggle with that. So mm-hmm. I loved you mentioning that, that he, he was working with you on things like anxiety and, and yeah. anger issues. Um, because a lot of times when those things come up, churches I've noticed tend to be like, Oh, well they're like a lost cause or things like that. Well, and then another thing with, if you're, I've noticed, when you come from like a broken home, some people are very prideful. If you try to ask for help, if you, if, mm-hmm. if you try to approach them for help. And I noticed that when I went on the mission trips to Redbird mission in Kentucky with pastor Brian for five years mm-hmm. and the people who ran it always told us, don't ever try to give the people that you're like working on their houses for money because they'll take that as an insult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So give it like through the organization, they'll help yep. them out. And that sometimes can happen in the church because people work hard, to get what they want. Mm-hmm. They're proud of, even though in the midst of their struggle, they've proud, they're proud of what they've been able to put together with their own two hands and their own time and energy. Well, well, and it can come off a little bit, again, condescending. Yeah. This and they're idea like, oh, of like, a power dynamic. And, like and a, you don't want to feel like no, less than. You nobody wants to be looked down upon. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants it, to feel like the least of these type of things. And it definitely doesn't help with some of the stigmas that surround the church in America, too, that I, I'm sure only add on to like that sort of feeling of... of uh, almost like in, maybe not intentional but the feeling of being almost no, insulted yeah. and looked down on by a church and uh, especially if you don't have a, a relationship or a knowledge of who the person in the church is asking for this or if say like the reputation isn't as best obviously there's some shady things that could happen and mm-hmm. there's a there's everyone has every right to be a little paranoid because mm-hmm. you know you're inviting yeah. these people into your home to meet with your kids or to help them out you don't know what they're going to do and you mm-hmm. can't you can't risk that mm-hmm. so sure. and that's understandable of people to be a little standoffish but we also need to try to bridge that medium to help and reach people too and Ab- that can be tricky at times okay absolutely and as we're as we're gearing up at the end of our our first episode of the week I think it's important to note that that's one of the reasons again why we're here doing what we do because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the things that we talk about are barriers that can get in the way of those kinds of relationships. Hmm. You know, we talked uh, we talked once about money and, and that the church that 
requires you to give your bank statement and when you become a member so that way they can take 10 percent and know that you're giving that and it's like for somebody it's excluding you know you're gonna take money from a, a single mother working 60 hours a week who can barely feed their you know and, and particularly it's one of the reasons why i'm not a big fan of like tithing campaigns not because i think that tithing is bad but i think we don't realize that if you're fortunate enough to be able to afford to tithe that's awesome but yeah. some people really can't and we shouldn't shame people for that mm -hmm. um and, and a lot of the other topics we talk about are really barriers that create this again this us versus them mentality without realizing that there are already <laughs> they is already among us and it's there are no <laughs> don't do the among us thing Gosh, <laughs> darn kind of sus to me but you know yeah. but but that those barriers don't exist in the kingdom of god and that's what i love about the church because yet there can be so many issues but also you have all these people who come from all these different backgrounds mm -hmm. to represent the body of christ and they can help each other in each special and certain ways Absolutely. whether that be helping people understand the difficulties other people go through whether whatever that may be we have a lot of issues going on in our world and everyone can relate and we're supposed to come along and help carry each other's burdens and walk with them this life and show them what a Christ-centered community can be like. But mm -hmm. I also know that's not possible at times because people get in their own way. Yep. Yeah, but yeah. that's what I love. Yeah, well, that's what I love about the church most. You get all these broken people. It's almost like a mosaic art piece, mm -hmm. and it makes up the image of Christ. And that's why, that's what I love, and that's why I try to see whatever church I attend, even though there may be some things you hear from other people, and you try to be as unbiased as possible. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful, uh, beautiful sentiment to end <laughs> our episode on. I agree. So from all of us, or yeah, from all of us here at Church is Stupid. Come about. I'm Ruth. I'm Andy. I'm Elijah. I'm Gabe. And thank you for listening. We hope you have a great week.